welcome to the Smart Connector podcast, which looks at the power of connection in business and life. Featuring solo episodes as well as a range of exciting interviews with entrepreneurs across multiple sectors, we offer tips and advice to build your impact, wealth and success, attract others for all the right reasons, and become a Smart Connector, the architect of your amazing business and life. Welcome to the Smart Connector podcast. I've got a great guest for you today, Tim Kakir. So, Tim, welcome. Hi, Jane. Thank you so much for having me here. It's a pleasure. And you're a growth consultant, aren't you, Tim? And you help companies, entrepreneurs and students achieve fast and consistent growth in their businesses. And you specialize in startups. So you've worked with around 17 startups to date and you've helped two startups receive over... 1.7 million euros in funding, which is just amazing. So we're going to talk about startups and how startups can get out of that startup phase and actually on the path of of growth today. And we're also going to talk about you and your history and everything that you've been up to because you've got a very, very fascinating background and in music and also your university lecturer and So, you know, love to get into all of that as well. So it's great to have you here. Pleasure. And I'll be more than happy to share everything that I know. Okay. So before we get into it, Tim, let's just go into your background. So you're a music producer and a DJ and you've got a music startup yourself, haven't you? So would you like to just tell us all about that? Absolutely. Uh, I'm just building a music startup right now. It's more of a ed tech for music education. Right. So it's going to be an education technology platform for students to learn electronic music production and to learn it from producers out there, DJs that they respect and so on. So it's a bit of a marketplace. But oh. since I'm, I'm also, uh, as you mentioned, a, a lecturer, I'll be able, able to help the artists actually create a course curriculum that makes sense, a timeline, uh, a syllabus that makes sense, because uh, every music person obviously is not an educator uh, at heart. But since the pandemic and so on, we saw that they needed an extra source of income because there was no live playing anymore. There was no club, there was no bars, there was there, yeah. there was no events. So that's kind of what we've been building with, with a friend of mine, my co-founder. I can't say much more because it it's still in stealth mode, but it's coming soon. I can say the name. It's not announced, I think, on LinkedIn, but I'll say it is Untitled Space. Oh. We're about to launch in about, I think, 20 days. We will do a soft launch on our website. The website is We Are Untitled, uh, soon to come. Uh, so if you're interested in music education, that's going to be the place to go to, hopefully. That's what we're aiming for. But my background, Jane, on music, is it's an incredible story because I always loved music uh, since I was a little kid. And I always wanted to uh, study music. But I'm half Turkish, half French. I was born in Istanbul. My dad is a lovely man, but he didn't understand <laughs> the concept of me studying. Uh, and he was like, you can't study music. I'm a businessman. You need to study something business and, you know, uh, and take over my business one day. And I was like, I was quite rebellious. I was like, no, I love music and so on. And one day I was very lucky. My dad's cousin had, they were building a, how can I say, a stadium, a stadium for concerts, right? A hall. And they hired a sound engineer and they spent about 300,000 euros, if I remember correctly, back then. Uh, for a three-day project for the sound engineer to design the sound systems and the acoustics of the space. And my, I remember my dad, that they called me and said, son, if you want to study sound engineering, uh, 
no worries, you can do that. Right? <laughs> so, so, so I had the luck to study actually media production, concentrating in audio technologies. That was my studies. Obviously, I've done much more than that since. But in London, in, in the UK, what I had is I had a, a recording studio, a music recording studio. I had an online radio station and I had a big techno party that I was running every two months. Oh. About 2,000 people, and I used to book some of the biggest artists. And uh, I usually would uh, close the event myself. I would play myself. So that's what I did professionally in the music. But then I realized that I couldn't party from Thursday to Monday anymore. And <laughs> <laughs> I was getting a bit uh, old quickly. Uh, so, so, And I realized that I was actually marketing everything that we did, right? So I was marketing the radio, the studio. I was marketing the events. So I took a different route in my career and I went into marketing about, I think this about 10 years ago or so, I really stopped focusing on marketing and then I found myself in the startup world. Yeah. So the startup world is a very exciting world, isn't it? Because it's a very creative world. So I can see why you ended up there because you've got a creative background. You're a creative guy and startups, they're all about innovation, creativity, ideas really, aren't they? So there's a natural synergy, isn't there? Absolutely. It all starts from an idea. And I think everything's a startup. So, I mean, you know, it's going to go against maybe my belief, but everything Every company is a startup. You start somewhere, you have an idea. You hopefully it's a, it's a solution to a problem that exists because then you'll be a successful company. If not, you'll just ride a little bit of the wave and, and, and die down or just, or just stay quite stagnant. But to grow, usually what we find out is the companies who actually solve a big problem. And you know that comes from that small idea that, that we have and then we built and then we we get people to believe in it as well and the mission, vision, values of the company and, and, and we go at it together. And I think it's, it's a very, very interesting concept of, of how we follow a leader who had an idea and how we want to solve this problem altogether. And I think that those are the successful ones and those are uh, where we want to work. We don't want to work in these old school corporate companies that are uh, soulless, that are there to just take energy from us so that uh, we do work for them. And where we don't believe in anything that we're doing, we just believe in the money that we're taking and we want to go home. And I think that era is ending. Yes, I really do, actually. And funnily enough, my daughter's just, she just left Samsung. She was a marketing manager at Samsung and she's just left for a very exciting startup called FAIR for that very reason. I think it matters more and more to, particularly to young people who are looking at decades of their working life ahead of them. And they're just thinking, well, you know what, I I have values that need to be respected and I want to align, I want my work and my values to be aligned. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think that we're going to see this switch more and more. I think this is what they call about the American great resignation as well that has been happening. A lot of people are resigning from their jobs. Entrepreneurship has been something that we've been promoting a lot lately. Freedom of work hours. Of course, was sadly, I mean, you know, we didn't want a pandemic, but one of the pros of that pandemic was, you know, we can spend more time with our families. We can work from home. We don't have to wait an hour in traffic to get to work or in a train. We don't have to commute those hours. I think that's been, that's been an amazing revolution, I, almost, you know, and, and I, I believe this is going to continue even if the pandemic is over, almost, hopefully, and that we find this freedom in our calendar. And, and I think that's super important. Yeah. And it's a real opportunity, isn't it? Because we're all very motivated by growth, aren't we? And, 
if all of our time is consumed living somebody else's agenda, which is really what happens when we're in employment, then we don't really have that time to grow ourselves as individuals. So I'm in love with entrepreneurship for exactly the same reason, because it gives us that flexibility, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody doesn't have to be entrepreneurs, but I love what you just said there about the growth, right? And sometimes we're in these companies that are not about our growth. And what we realize is those companies that will have uh, very high uh, turnovers on employees, on team members. And uh, the companies that uh, keep the good team members and that keeps evolving is the people, uh, the companies who actually have a large amount of time and budget for personal growth and for education, training of the employees itself, themselves. Yes, yes. So you lecture in entrepreneurship and business, Mm -hmm. don't you, as well, Tim, at the University of Barcelona? Yeah, I do in two schools. One's called Geneva Business School and one's called SA, which is Escuela Superior, which is a a business school as well. And I do master's program and um, I do leadership for business management. I do entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship. I do uh, a lot of topics around marketing and business analytics and so on. And it was three years ago, I think it was something that I started to do because I gave a guest lecture in one of the schools yes. um, and the director of the school came to me and said, hey, we would like you to teach. And I'm going to say this here, but I, I, I said to this person, I said, I, I hate school. I hated school. So I don't <laughs> want to teach. And the director said, this is exactly why we want you to teach. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I thought about it that night. I remember and I got back to this director. I said, you know what? I'll take one class. Let's see what happens. I took this uh, master's program of a seven-week program. I had about 25 students, I think. And it was digital marketing strategies and technologies. And it was very project-based learning. And I gave them a a very open project to to create a company, to create the marketing strategy and all the technologies that needs to be uh, in the company. And in the seventh week, it was presentation week. And I was amazed. I was absolutely amazed. I was like, wow, this is amazing. Some amazing work came out from the students. and, And I really enjoyed it. So, yeah. so then the director went back and said, hey, we got really good feedback. Do you want to teach? I was like, you know what? I will teach, you know, because I can teach in my own way. And I, it doesn't yeah. have to be what I saw when I was in school. Sadly, when I was in school, it was a bit more learn by heart, not practical. And it is sad. I don't want that to happen to the, to the younger generations. So, so I, I committed about 25, 30% of my time to teaching. Yes, yes. And, you know, there's a world of difference, isn't there, between the education system that's taught in schools or certainly here in the UK and what's taught on a, you know, an entrepreneurship or business program mm-hmm. in a progressive university. So, I mean, I often think that the, the education system is in need of a dire overhaul because they're not really equipping children for, with skills for life. And not these days. Um they ought to be teaching them communications, I think. They ought to be teaching them certainly finance, um, personal finance, and and also entrepreneurship and marketing and all of these things that are going to make us thrive and really get us to where we where we need to get to in our lives. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you agree with that. But. Yeah, 100%. 100% I agree. But also it's so that we can create a better world in the future because yeah. as we've seen, sadly, it's quite negative what I'm going to say about where we're, we're downhill right now. And, and how, how are we going to switch this is by bringing young minds and educating them in a way that they create more sustainable companies. They create uh, better workplaces for everybody. So there's le- less anxiety. There's less depression. People are happier. Places where they appreciate family time and personal time and they promote that. 
you know. Yes. So, so this is why I said I tell to my students, on especially I did, um, I think it was last month, we had the leadership development week, which is an intensive yes. one week. And I did about eight sessions of an hour and a half with about 30 students or so. And, you know, I gave an aspirational speech uh, uh, at the end. And I said, guys, you are creating the, the, the future world for us, you know, and, and I do commit to helping you guys uh, as much as I can from the knowledge that I have. You guys are going to have even more knowledge very, very soon, or maybe you already have. But I'm here for that because, you know, I'm going to retire at some point and I want a better world. And, and now I have a, I have a little uh, daughter that is four months old and I want her oh. to have a, be- a better future. Yeah, we're very, very motivated by seeing our children and, and, you know, thinking about our future generations. We all have responsibility, don't we, to to make the impact that we can? Well, well we have to, because if not, I don't know. It's, uh, the solution is not to, I've said this before in a podcast, and I'm yes. sure some people didn't like it, but the solution is not to go to Mars. You know, I, I love Elon Musk, <laughs> but uh, the goal is not to go to Mars and destroy that planet as well. The, the goal is to save the planet that we have at hand. And David Attenborough gave an amazing speech at that big conference, right? And and they said the time is now. I mean, we're already kind of late, but we still can do something. and We could still save years and years of this planet, but we have to act now. Yes, that's that's absolutely correct. So, Tim, what I'd like to do is really get onto this topic of startups and mm-hmm. how startups can get to that place where they're they're actually scaling, because Mm -hmm. it's a tough thing to do, isn't it? Start a business from scratch. And there are proven frameworks that you're quite critical of, and you've actually developed your own framework. And so Mm -hmm. what I'd like to do is just get into what frameworks, what growth frameworks do people conventionally apply to the startup process? And what do you think about them? And how do you do it differently? I mean, I'll start very quickly on that, uh, Jane, if I may, on something a bit interesting is that I have a lot of students that will come there and say, hey, Tim, uh, I have a business idea. And so on. And they're like, here's my business plan. And it's like a 50 page business plan. And I'm like, okay, how long did you spend time on this? They're like, oh yeah, it took me months and months. And I'm like, okay, maybe that business idea is already gone. Maybe somebody else is doing it. So so what I really recommend is to, to do a more... The business model canvas, the BMC, as we call it, it's a, it's okay. a very simple canvas. It's a it's a digestive model, let's say, of the uh, business plan, and you don't have to go months and months preparing that. It's a few workshops and really understanding your problem, your solution, the features that you bring in a bit more, the personas or the customer targets that, that you have, and so on. And really, it's a very nice little canvas framework that highlights the most important things from a business plan. Uh, business plans are really for Old school VCs, I would say, venture capitalists who really love to read pages and pages and pages and pages. And I think that's not even happening anymore. So that's the number one mistake that I see when starting a startup. Everybody that really focuses on the business plan and not simplifying that. So simplify that. Then, you know, the first thing, it's a product market fit. I'm sure that everybody says this all the time. But it's making sure that, you know, what you're developing or what you're offering, there's a need for it. Right. And for this, you have a lot of frameworks as well. You know, I'm not going to start talking uh, about them, all of them, but, you know, there's one, the use cases. So understanding the frequency of the problem happening and uh, how many times we can actually get these people to use our services or our product and so on. And so there's a little table for that. If you write down use cases map or something like that, you'll be able to find that uh, online. So it's really 
being obsessed about the problem. I always say that it's the, the solution is a very, very tiny, tiny percentage of actually what the company should be about. The whole mm-hmm. company should be obsessed about the problem that you're solving. Because today you might have a, a service or a feature that you think is the solution, but very quickly you'll find out that the solution is completely something else or there's a better solution out there, right? Mm-hmm. So, so be obsessed with the problem, the rest will come. And again, problem solving, there's a lot of different frameworks out there as well for that. But just continuing a little bit, because I'm trying to make a little bit of the journey of, uh, of a startup in my head, then you need to really have, and I think that's where you want to get to, some goal setting framework, right? So, and a goal setting framework is not just let's make this money, let's make you know fifty million dollars. No, it's not. You have to have some some like a framework like OKRs, right? OKRs is objectives and key results. It's been used by Google. It was invented at Intel years ago by Andy Grove, and it's been a very very famous framework. And a lot of people use it. A lot of my clients use it, or they book me. They book my time so that we can help them implement the OKRs framework in their company. But I've seen in my career in the 17 plus startups now, because uh, now I think it's about 22 or 23, and that I'm right now I have a few clients that are ongoing active clients. And what I've realized, the OKRs were a little bit limited, right? Because we talk about the objectives and some key results to go to that objective so that we say that these objectives are accomplished, right? I found some really, not huge problems, but some things that didn't make sense to me. So I started iterating a little bit and, and I had some a uh, couple of workshops from some uh, people even higher than me on this topic. And uh, then we came up with a solution and it was more about talking about not just the objectives, but talking about the purpose of that objective, right? So why do it, right? So let's, let me try to break it down if that's okay. So um, an objective, you know, is what do you want to do, right? You ask your, yourself that question, what do you want to do? It's It's quite qualitative, right? It's not quantitative at all. It's very qualitative. It has to be aspirational so that everybody follows. Oh, yeah, that's our objective, right? And then you have to really describe the, the purpose. Why do it? Why do I do that? Because uh, that's where the mission, vision, value starts coming back in and so on. And that's very important. And then, you know, the key result is really where we get down to the numbers. How will you know you've done it, right? Uh-huh. And that, that usually is quantitative. You know, it's uh, this is the KPI that we're going to track. This is the numbers that we are aiming for and so on. So then we're able to put a financial... Or, or, or a metric to our framework. And, and then you can also go on the initiatives, right? So what do we execute? How do we do that? Like, what are the things that we need to do, right? So that's the initiatives. And I've changed this model around, which I'm going to explain my model in a bit. And then one thing that I realized that wasn't done at all, it's the blockers, right? So the challenges, right? The issues. What stands in, in your way? You should ask yourself this question. And in everything that you do, if you ask, what are the blockers? At first, people say, oh, maybe it's negative. No, it's not negative. Actually, being able to highlight blockers gives you a place for finding a solution to that problem or to, to that blocker. So, yeah. so I kind of changed this around a little bit. And I'll mention his name because he's really doing really well. His name is Chase Damiano. And I was in a workshop from him about this. And, and I loved how he started thinking about uh, the next version of OKRs. And I got obsessed about this. I got obsessed about this for, for multiple years. And I've had even my students actually, business intelligence, work on it as well as their project. Uh, so thanks to them, to all my business intelligence students who's, who's helped really create a bre- better framework um, for the world, for goal setting. And now I'm, I'm starting to, to preach, if we may say, the GCO model, which is the goals, challenges, and opportunities. 
Mm. Right. So, so it's kind of the same, but at least we're really putting in the DNA of the framework of the methodology, the challenges. Right. And so basically goals is still your OKRs, right? You'll have your objective yeah. key results, right? So qualitative and quantitative. Yeah. Uh, your, your challenges now are your blockers, your issues, you know, the problems that are happening in the company. You'll be able to have a place where you put the challenges so everybody else uh, can see it. Yeah. Uh, and and then, you know, I had ideas before, but I saw that it wasn't very business orientated and people didn't get it. They're like, oh, ideas are great, but, you know, there was always a but. So, so then I brought this concept opportunities, right? So what are the opportunities uh, around those challenges? What are the opportunities around those goals? And we're able to do a simplified version of, I think, a, a growth model, if I might say, right? So goals, yeah. challenges, and opportunities. And if you're able to work around these and making sure that it's transparent around throughout the whole company, uh, you'll be able to find some amazing opportunities from people that you've never expected, right? So an example could be that, you know, you have a challenge in customer support and, you know, you have an agent that keeps fixing the same problem 100 times a week. Right. And if they can put this challenge up on the company's, you know, workplace or, or central information, you know, knowledge management system or so on. And if everybody can start bringing opportunities to these and then one of the product guys or, or a developer says, hey, I can fix that in 30 minutes, an hour. Right? And this person actually gets elected or selected for uh, his opportunity or, or, or her opportunity to, to implement that. And suddenly the customer support agent get those hundreds problems that they were doing a week as, as an extra time so they can work on better things for the customer, right? So they can, they can have better relationship with the customer and be there more. So that's a, that's a quick win. And we don't, this, we don't do this often, sadly, because we silo a lot departments, right? We silo, yeah. money, we silo finance, we silo product. And this happens naturally. It's, it, it's normal because this is what we've seen in the industrial age. You know, we started to create companies and, and enterprises and we realized that it was very hier hierarchical and, you know, we were putting, you are marketing, you have a marketing director and you answer to this marketing director, you are the marketing executive or manager, blah, 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 right? And, and we kept separating people and putting them in a box. And yeah. where the magic of growth happens is when you start thinking out, uh, out of the box and having a different angle, you know, where a finance person actually looking at customer support, it's going to be a whole different experience. They're going to look at it from a different angle. The things they're going to find is things that maybe the customer support agent wouldn't think, it, you know, because they are trained to be a customer support agent and the finance is trained for numbers, right? Combining or making cross-skill teams, I think, is the future of growth. Ah, you know, I really, really love that. And when you were talking, I was just like the penny dropped and I thought, you know, this makes so much sense. And it's much more um, suited to a kind of flatter structure, a more a more sort of elastic kind of organization, that that kind of startup mode. It makes perfect sense. And I love the idea of 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 really focusing on the challenges because overcoming challenges is what growth is all about, isn't it? Absolutely. So therefore putting that right at the very heart of the process, if you like, and actually uh, the other thing that I really love is those uh, kind of cross-functional kind of capability. Mm -hmm. um, it's really, I, I love it. I think it's great. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I've been testing it. I've been testing a very soft testing with my clients. It looks like it's, it's working quite well. Uh, so right now I'm actually working on a book about it and hopefully next year. 
and it will be the launch of, of of the book that we'll be, we'll be talking about goals, challenges, and opportunities, and why companies should speak about the challenges. They should speak about the problems that they have and not sugarcoat everything. And sometimes honesty and transparency, even internally, is very very important. Yeah, I, I honestly, I'm I'm absolutely blown away by that. I'm just kind of thinking back to various situations that you know I've encountered, and just thinking how. Somebody like you coming along and actually saying, no, 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 you're doing it all wrong. Look at it this way. We're just, oh, yeah, you know, just it's just new. It's just fresh. You know, I love it. Well, I I mean, I gave this uh, this example and, you know, it, it, it's a silly example, but uh, in my mind, it, it kind of worked. When the yeah. pandemic hit, if we did have such a framework between the countries yeah. and we actually spoke about these challenges and, you know, if other countries and other other cultures could have read opportunity to other cultures' challenges. We might have not faced this such a long period of pandemic, right? Yeah. But but in the beginning, we didn't collectively think about it, right? And and we were very isolated in the problem. You know, China had it, then Italy had it, then it started spreading around, and, and we we're like, oh, Italy has it. We, it's not, it's not our, we're not there, right? And actually, we should say, oh, Italy has this challenge. Let's all get together and let's bring in opportunities to the table and we could have maybe solved it right we could have done a, a full a full lockdown a full lockdown from the get go what i'm trying to say here is is a company is basically bringing people collectively together and so that we work together on on a purpose right on a goal yeah. and so on on building this company but we don't tap into collective intelligence right the ceo or 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 the vps and so on are like oh i know what to do no 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 that's great okay but what if the people who are actually at the trenches there, they are there with the customer. They are there making the marketing campaigns, had better ideas than you, right? And they could help you make better decisions, right? So, so that's definitely is what you mentioned is to start, start flattening um, the hierarchy yeah. and being, a, being able to really tap into collective intelligence, you know, and not putting people in boxes again and not siloing certain people, right? We pay extra uh, amount of salaries in big tech companies because we want the best people. We bring yeah. them on board and we still put them in a box. And we're like, here's your job description. Here's your little box. Go ahead and execute, right? Yes. But we don't stop enough and ask him, hey, you know, what are the opportunities you see? We do ask him in the beginning in 30, 60, 90 days, because that's like a tradition, you know, say, oh, where do you see problem areas and so on? And then we don't have a space or in the culture or the DNA of the company, we don't create an open space for every employee to, to have a word, right, where they can speak up and they can say, hey, there's a problem, I see it, I want to speak about, about this and I want other people to, to help me find some solutions, some opportunity to, to these challenges, right? I think that that's kind of what I'm trying to preach, that's what I'm trying to bring to companies and that goes beyond my marketing experience now, it goes more on what I call the growth ops, you know, making sure that the at the right time, the right people, they have the right technologies, they have the right frameworks, the right goals, that will grow your company, right? So that startup phase will become a scale-up phase because you have all, all these ingredients in your formula. Yeah, I really, really, really do like that. I think it, it just makes perfect sense. And when you think about it, it's also much more aligned to us as individuals because, you know, we don't box ourselves in. I mean, we have diverse interests and skills and talents as humans, don't we? We're kind of like an interesting mosaic, all of us. And, mm -hmm. 
I remember I came from the advertising industry, the media industry in London. Very, very, very traditional business because it's been evolving for decades, really, and it's quite slow moving. Although, obviously, there's a lot of exciting and innovative ideas that are coming out of those big agencies, the actual model, the the business model was very traditional. Everybody was expected to stay in their box. If you were a copywriter, you were a copywriter. That's all you ever did. If you were in production, that's all you ever did. If you're in business development, that's your job. And nobody ever asked you if you wanted to kind of contribute to any other discipline. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it gets very frustrating after a while because as humans, we don't want to be put in a box, do we? We don't put ourselves in a box. We don't put our friends in a box. We don't put our family in a box. You know, we recognize one another as individuals. So why are we expected to operate in that box-like way when we go to work? Mm-hmm. I'm going to touch up on a question that I, I get often uh, from my students. They're like, hey, Tim, don't you think that, you know, a lot of jobs are going to be obsolete because, uh, you know, AI is coming, machine learning, you know, all the technologies and so on. I'm like, maybe, but there are going to be better jobs. They're going to be more creative jobs. They're going to be more thinking outside the box jobs, right? Why? Because actually an algorithm is in a box. You have an input and an output and then this black box, the algorithm, uh-huh. things happen, machine learning and data sets and so on. And what I see, and I'm sure some people will tell me that I'm wrong on this because I've heard that before, is that the machines are not creative. We can train them to be creative, but we still train them with a data set to be that creative. right? So machines are not able to think outside the box because they are a box. right? <laughs> you know, and, and we humans are actually designed to think outside the box. We dream, we, we come up with ideas that, that never existed. Right. And that's our creative side. That's our thinking outside the box. So let's use technology for its purpose. You know, let's let's give the automation of low cognitive work, things that take time that are not creative, that are not inspirational or aspirational. And, and let's start making humans creative, creative animals again, because that's what we are. Right. So let, yes. let's amplify that. And I think yeah. that um, this is why this box system is not going to work. And, you know, for many, many years, there's been Oh, I think you should be more thinking outside the box, thinking outside the box. Yes, because we should never be in a box, right? So, so how are we going to do this? It's, it's what's happening right now. And um, I know many, many, many companies from you know, HR perspectives, from educational perspectives, from even financial technologies and so on, trying to solve this thing of being more collective, being more using machine learning and AI for the things that we shouldn't and start gaining some time so we can think about higher, more creative stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, it really is the best time to be creative or to be a creator, isn't it, Tim, right at the moment? Would you agree with that? Yeah. If you have an idea, you want to start a product, right? You don't have to code anymore. You don't have to code. You have no code. No code is a massive trend. And you know, I've I've even seen it myself. You have uh, you know module based drag and drop. You can make apps. You can make web apps. You can make so many technologies. You can tap into machine learning technologies of Google and so on. There are so many open source technologies there. You don't have to code your own AI and so on. You know, if you want to create some content and you want to do a podcast or a stream, you know, you get Streamyard, you get Restream, you get you know whatever software out there. You don't have to build a streaming platform. You don't have to understand much of the tech behind it. Yeah. Integrate your LinkedIn, you integrate your YouTube. You put a camera in front of you. You click and you create content. Right? You show your face. You show your you know your knowledge. You share. You share whatever you have to say. 
you know, you want to create a blog. It's even easier, right? That's been easy uh, thanks to WordPress and websites, but it's, it's even easier now. You don't even need a website. All right. And so you can start a newsletter, you can create, there, there's so much. We are becoming a creator's world. Absolutely. And I think that people who actually say, oh, you know, I don't know where to start and so on. I have this idea. It's like, I'll tell him, just start somewhere. You know, you don't have to know where to start, you know, just find something and launch it and see how it works. Cause it might work. It might not work. If it doesn't work, you'll understand why it didn't work and you can iterate on it. And this is kind of what I also try to tell my students. I have many students that are like, Oh, I've been thinking for this long time and I don't think about it anymore. Just launch it, publish it, send it, you know, let's see what happens. And then they, they do it. The next, yeah, they do it. The next week they come to that. Like, oh, what I had in mind was wrong. I'm like, oh, that's great. Do you know why it's wrong? They're like, yeah, I know why it's wrong. And you can see that their eyes, you know, they're shining. They're like, now I know that, that what I was thinking, it's wrong, but I know why it's wrong. So now I know what to do. I think the biggest thing that holds us back, it's thinking a lot about what to do and not doing it. You know, so, so we should do it. And as you mentioned, it's a creator's world. You have enough tools out there. You have enough education on, on free platforms as well to help you launch whatever you want. So, so there's no more excuse. Yeah. I think the other thing that people get really hung up about is wanting things to be perfect and comparing themselves to pe- other people that have been doing it for a lot longer than them. And I mean, I've got caught in that trap myself in the past and I remember, I think the the best person that kind of had this piece of advice that really stuck in my head, and I use it sometimes, is the thought leader, Brené Brown. I don't know if you've ever heard of her, but anyway, she, you know, she's a researcher and a writer, and she's written very, very good books and, you know, got a fantastic TED Talk on shame. And she said, you know, the thing about it is you have to be, be willing to just do the shitty first draft. That was what she called it when you're writing a book, the shitty first draft. So basically just put it all out there. Don't care. Don't get hung up on perfection. If it's bad, you're still doing a lot better than people who are just invisible and not trying at all. And people respect that. That's what I think. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to say it here. I'm the same. I mean, we all the same. I want it to be really great. And so on. And I don't launch things. I have so many things I haven't launched. And I have luckily some mentors come. They're like, no, do it. Launch it now. It's cool. <laughs> and and we, we want this possibly affirmation from other people because we are, we are humans and we care about uh, peer-to-peer feedback and so on. I, I've been wanting to start a podcast slash a stream for a long time and I still haven't done it. And I've been a guest on some amazing podcasts like yourselves and I, it inspires me and I'm like, okay, launch it, launch it. You know, so, so hopefully 2022, yeah, you will see that from me as well. I'd love to create a place where I interview people uh, about tools because I'm a tool addict, platform, softwares, uh, apps, anything like that. It could be even hardware products. And I want to create a space for that, a weekly space for Tool Time Tim, you know, and that's the, that's the title of Tool Time Tim. Two-time Tim, I like that. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, I've been thinking about this too long now. And what I'm trying to say here is that don't worry, guys, you know, this happens to everybody. But, you know, at some point we have to say, let's go for it. And I think that my time finally is coming to start that as well. So don't be too too sad or that you didn't launch the, the thing that you wanted to launch. Just go into it and see what happens. As you mentioned, I love what you said there, you know. You're already an extra mile ahead than the people who doesn't do it that just are thinking about it. At least you've executed something and, yeah. and you can learn a lot from it. 
And most people in the world, they don't do anything like this. They don't they don't write books. They don't launch YouTube channels. They don't create landing pages or and websites. The vast majority of people in the world do nothing like this. So actually, even having one asset out there is it's just great progress. And then we can just build from there. And I think what happens is the more stuff we've got out there and the more we kind of layer it, then the more we're really building our personal brand and our signature and people are then getting to know what we're all about. And that's, you know, that's really important in business today, isn't it? To have that footprint, that digital footprint. Yeah, I mean, this is why, I mean, I don't want to get into the topic because I don't know much about NFTs and so on like that, right? We're, yeah. we're now finally finding digital ways of, of uh, getting trademarks and property rights and so on of, of digital items. But this is how every company was built. This is how every everything was built around us. Anything that you look around you on, on hardware, on software, it just came up from somebody trying something. And Google was not Google. All these big companies, they were not these big companies. They started as a tiny thing. I mean, the best example I think here is obviously Amazon, Jeff Bezos. He attled in a little garage where he was selling books. He was, he was trying to sell books and now he can sell whatever he wants. I love there is a there is a, there's a meme about him when he looked like when he started uh, Amazon in the garage and he's like I sell books and then now he has one with his you know, <laughs> he looks like Vin Diesel no he he looks like the Rock or whatever and, and he's like I sell whatever the f I want <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know you see that evolution it's, we can all do it it's just I think it's perseverance it's testing things as experimenting. And it's getting out of your comfort zone. And that's growth is when you start getting out of your comfort zone. So we need to do that more often. Yeah. And of course, the Amazon, the first Amazon website is absolutely shocking. And somebody <laughs> showed it to me recently. And you could not really have had a more clunky, a worse looking website. So, you know, that's, <laughs> in, that's in, enough to inspire all of us, really, isn't it? Well, but that was back in the day. And I'm going to yeah. say this. I'm sorry, but I live in Spain. And we have like a shop like Tesco's or Sainsbury's, right? It's called Mercadona. And in my area where I am, their website is even worse than that first Amazon website still. And you wonder, you're like, guys, come on. You have to, <laughs> you have to keep up with the trends. At least Amazon did that. I mean, the Amazon website is still not the best website in the world because it's just so busy and so on. But it's designed in a way to have millions of products so that we can yeah. buy whatever we want, whenever we want. Is Amazon doing tests all the time? Yes. I, I love that there is... Um, Say he, he said, I don't exactly remember what he said, but he says, you know, growth and the success is what you test daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, right? Yeah. If you don't test anything, you will fail. But if you start testing now, you will find the solution in a given time frame. So, so stopping and not doing something will kill you. But testing, you'll have failures, but you won't die and you'll find the solution later on. He had a great sentence about it. It didn't come to me now, but that was, that was the, the core of it is like, Try things all the time and you'll find something that matches maybe your passion. You'll find something that solves the problem. You'll find something that inspires you or inspires other. And, and that's where you're going to be happy possibly, right? If you want to uh, be able to create something. Yes. And I, I've interviewed some great marketers on the show. And one of the things that stuck in my mind again was really a guy who was talking about the frictionless experience of Amazon and we all know that Amazon, it, it hasn't got the most stunning visual brand identity. 
it promises, well, yeah, I mean, it's okay. But I mean, you don't see them with all these big television ad campaigns or anything Mm -hmm. like that. They just, what they deliver is a frictionless experience. And that kind of experiential aspect of um, business today is really, it's so important, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. And I'm, I'm going to, because you said about frictionless experience, I'm going to say something here because we were talking about frameworks a little bit. For anybody out there who has a service, has a product, has a website, whatever you do, right? Uh, do a friction audit. Conduct a friction audit. Act uh-huh. like you are your user. Act like you are your customer. And try to go through the whole process that you've designed and, and try to pinpoint the frictions that are happening, right? And map it out from... You know, where you find the site, how you put in your shopping cart. Let's talk about e-commerce, right? How you put it in a shopping cart, how how you get out, how you order it, how it arrives to your house. How can you recommend again? How can you review the product, right? The, the whole journey, the whole customer life cycle or the customer journey, you know, map it out. Go through it yourself. Find the frictions. If you write friction audit on, on Google, I'm sure you'll find a lot of stuff. And, and pinpoint those frictions and get rid of one friction every quarter. Right or one friction every month if you're even faster, uh-huh. that's going to be growth. That's there. You're going to have an amazing site service. You, you're going to you're going to optimize it as you go. So I think friction audit is a great uh, way to start to be able to be frictionless. Amazing, amazing. Well, Tim, it's been such an incredible interview. I've certainly learned so much from you, and I've really, really enjoyed interviewing you. And I'm sure that our viewers and our listeners will equally appreciate all those amazing wisdom and insights and everything that you've talked about today. It's just been great. So I just wanted to thank you so much for joining us. Now, if anybody wants to find you, what's the best way to get to get hold of you? I think I think there's two ways. One is LinkedIn. If you're a big uh, LinkedIn user, you go on LinkedIn, you put my name, first name, last name, Tim Kakir, and uh, you'll be able to find me very easily on LinkedIn. And there I, I share a lot of stuff. I have my newsletter and so on. Or you can go to my website, which is the same, timkakir.com. That's T-I-M-C-A-K-I-R.com. And, you know, I, I try to answer to everybody. I have even a link on my on my LinkedIn uh, where I offer a 15-minute call and, and that I just offer to see if you want to bounce ideas off or see how we can work together, how I can help you. I'm always open for that. So, uh, yeah, just reach out. I'll be more than happy to, to see what you're working on. And how I can. Yeah. So if you have a startup, if you're thinking of starting up a business, if you want to launch a new business, but you're not sure which way to go, then Tim is your guy. He's your go to guy. So (laughs) make sure you take advantage of that opportunity to speak to him, because if today is anything to go by, that will probably be one of the most valuable 15 minutes of your life. (laughs) <laughs> of, of your life I'm not sure <laughs> you know, the Today, bar is very high maybe. now I'm like uh oh <laughs> pressure is on Jane thank you so much for that <laughs> no but I'll try my best to make it an okay 15 minutes it won't be a waste hopefully Jane I would like to thank you so much as well for inviting me to the Smart Connector it's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you and to get to know you and hopefully I've been able to add some value to yes you're most welcome thank you Tim speak soon bye bye take care bye bye for listening in. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to rate and review my podcast as it will help me bring the power of connection to the world. I work one-to-one to help entrepreneurs ignite the power of authentic connection in their businesses and lives. I also help them accelerate their results through attracting and converting more of their ideal clients. 
And if this is something you'd like to do too, why not head on over to www.idealclientsuccess.com masterclass and I'll show you how.